Hello, listeners. This is The Naked Truce. I'm Lydia Frost. And I'm Alice Embers. Thanks for listening. Treasons greetings, everyone. <laughs> Treasons greetings. <laughs> Happy Yule. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year coming. Mm-hmm. How was your holiday so far? Well, Christmas Day for us was perfect. Um, we spent it with Chosen Fit. Thanksgiving I did DNA family and Christmas I did Chosen Family and it was perfect. My good friend, she actually used to be my meta, um, but we've since broken up with the shared partner. Um, so we're just friends now. Uh, she spent the night with her dog and we did the whole thing. Um, I put up my very first Christmas tree and we did presents and everything. It was it was great. It was perfect. How was yours? Amazing. It was great. It was so good. We had been battling a bit of like a flu, something going through the house, but Christmas Day ended up being fine. Christmas morning, the dragons were opening up presents. And I have to tell you this funny story. So when they got to the last present, which was the, you know, the grand finale or whatever, Uh um, and they open up their scooters, which we were so excited to get them. They had been talking about getting scooters for like ever. Mm-hmm. they say oh wow these are really cool but i wish they were electric what? that's okay mom thanks anyway what how did you handle that <laughs> i was like well i mean at least you have something let's be grateful for that and they were like oh. we are we are you know they it's so funny because they're just so unfiltered <laughs> Yeah, apparently. Seven is a seven is a whole thing, girl. Let me tell yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh boy. That's intense. So anyway, that was like really, yeah, they they uh they're really happy with them now and have learned all sorts of new tricks. And I think Good. you know, definitely safer without any motorized vehicles right now. But <laughs> Oh god. Oh good. Hilarious. Oh man. Um well, the let's see, it was like two days before Christmas. What one of the places I work at had a work Christmas party, mm-hmm. and I might have called my coworker's husband a sexist. <laughs> uh oh, he's he's like in his late 60s, and um, not that all people in their 60s are sexist, I'm just giving you the context and he's very like texasy so is she and we were playing this like get to know ya christmas game that involved make me uncomfortable i was my anxiety was through the roof through the fucking roof like we were supposed to talk about our childhood was sexist you were like yeah you were so and you were so anxious about it. It just came I, out. It was, I was, I couldn't, I should have left. I know myself. I should have left, but I didn't. Um, yeah, they were having us talk about like various Christmases in our lives, um, including like our childhoods. It was a lot. But um, he was sitting there right next to me on a chair. And that is important. Um, and he was talking about how, uh, one year, my wife and I just bought a new home in Oklahoma City, and she wanted furniture for the home. Furniture, which I guess is a feminine thing. <laughs> and I just said, 
that's sexist. (laughs) (laughs) And then he starts like yelling and he's like, sexist. It is sexist. I'm sexist. I'm sexist. And it was like super awkward. (laughs) But then he just continued with like the story, which is irrelevant. But like what I wanted to say, which I didn't, was like, um, you do realize you are sitting on a chair. We're all sitting on furniture right now. So you're using furniture. Wanting furniture for your house. The furniture itself is not a feminine thing. It's more just like the mental load is put on women to like furnish the house. You know what I mean? Because he said it in kind of a shitty way, Mm -hmm. like a mocking way. Like she wanted furniture, which is a feminine thing. Like she's so no, like what the fuck did you plan on sitting on in your new house? Like so manly, just like empty kegs and shit. Like right. Well, he didn't because he didn't think about it. No, of course he didn't think about it because the mental load falls on women. women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was awkward. It was awkward. (laughs) Oh, that sounds super awkward. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I find that like, oh, tell me if you find this too, Lydia. Mm -hmm. The more that you do the self-work and the more that like you are willing to dig in and find your privilege and find your biases and dig through them and really work through them, the more you see it everywhere. And you're like, oh, my goodness. And I have empathy for it because Mm -hmm. I'm also... Still working through so much. Yes, I still Mm -hmm. have the same conditioning. I still am part of it, so... Yeah, so that happened. That <laughs> happened. So interesting. Um, well, moving along, we definitely have some uh interesting things going on in politics right now. Mm. Uh, you know, with the whole impeachment and everything. Do you know what's interesting? Like, I know a lot of people hate Nancy Pelosi. I've always been kind of neutral on her. Sometimes, like, she's a politician, right? Like, sometimes she says... She's some a career like, politician, totally. Yeah, so she says, like, some cheesy, like, politician-y stuff. Yep. Like, when that and reporter... she's, like, got a lot of money and yeah, a lot of property. Yeah, she has a lot of money. Like, totally. Right? All of that. The whole thing. Um, When that reporter recently was like, why do you hate Trump? And she was like flapping her finger in his face yeah yeah yeah. he's like how dare you imply that i hate him i'm i was raised in a good catholic home we don't Uh, hate anyone and i pray for him it was like i cringed so hard you had an opportunity to answer that in a classy way and you missed it you got weird emotional reactivity Mm -hmm. people don't realize how and I'm sure, I'm sure it's so hard to be in politics and have to curb your emotional reaction all mm. the time. I'm sure she was just like over it yeah. and just had this outburst. Like I totally, totally understand, especially as a woman, like the rage that we feel, like I get it. Mm-hmm. But I agree there could have like, there was a moment of teaching that could have happened there. Yeah, I and, agree. And, um, you know, it's sad that those opportunities are being missed because we're in this political climate that's so volatile now that I feel like mm-hmm. any of those opportunities are sort of being missed because everybody's having those emotional reactions now. It's kind mm-hmm. of like firing back and forth, seeing who can get the lowest blow. Like, what are we? Yes. Doing? Not roasting people here. Like That's exactly what it is. Um, but all of that said, I think the way she's handling things mm. is is great i think she's nailing it yeah 
I think she's doing what she thinks is the best thing Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. get to where we need to be as a country. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like she's rushing anything or, um, you know, I really don't feel it's partisan at all. And I think that we're starting to like see the numbers swing towards that, towards this idea that, hey, we really went wrong here and it's our our job to fix it because obviously Mm -hmm. the people at the top are not doing it. So like voting has become super, super important, even more important than it was before in Georgia specifically, they're purging voter rolls like left Mm -hmm. and right. We've lost so many voters. So now trying to get that back up there, I think everyone is doing the best that they're capable of with what they're sort of up against. This is a tidal wave. The bots, the propaganda, the lies, the like audacity of crimes. How do you mm-hmm. how do you come against that when people are just willingly blindfolding themselves? <sighs> I don't know. And um, you know, it's interesting to think about what you and I touched on earlier, like why, you know, when it comes to like the Senator, so so, like he's been impeached and now starting in the new year or whatever, like it's up to the Senate and there are too many Republican senators. Like they're not going to vote to remove him from office. So like, why, why not? Why why can't they fucking see what's in front of their goddamn faces? Like, and what's frustrating is that, you know, they can, Right. Come on, you guys. Like, really? Um, I think there's an element of the sunk cost fallacy. Like, they're already so deep in it. They're elbow deep in their own shit. They've already invested so much into it. Right. That they feel Um, embarrassed to say that they made a mistake or that they chose the wrong guy or that they put mm -hmm. the, you know, whatever. So they're Mm -hmm. digging down. It's almost like they're doubling in because they feel Mm -hmm. like they can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a similar thing. Maybe you've seen this in, in some past relationships. I know I have when you hit somebody and they come at you with defensiveness. Mm-hmm. It's almost like even if the situation, you know, was kind of innocuous and you were just telling them your feelings or something like that. And then you get hit with the defensiveness because they're incapable of sitting in that little bit of discomfort to say, "Ooh, I did make a mistake here. It's the unwillingness to say I made a mistake. That like we can't be human. There's there's almost this perfectionist mentality around it. Like no no no, I can't say that I that we put this person in office who is clearly not capable of doing this because then that means that all of my judgments can be questioned. Absolutely. And hearing you say that, I'm thinking of the most chill like spiritually grounded people I know are people that. Something that comes easily to them is like, oh, shit, my bad. Yes. I, <laughs> I made a mistake or yes. I misunderstood. Of humanity. I was wrong. Yes, you know? I was wrong. Like, and, and it doesn't have to be this whole big thing. Also, like mm-hmm. children before their executive functioning is fully developed, Correct. like they double down. You're in the grocery store and you say no to ice cream. And then they're like screaming, like hitting you like, what? Yes. We can't get ice cream. Like it's yes. like, a whole thing, like really all of this over ice cream. Like, right. Because they're children. But what we're seeing that right now is like in our Senate. <laughs> exactly. Same behavior happening. I totally okay. agree. The most, I think it's 
staying curious about yourself and about other people. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. And if we approach everything with curiosity, instead of trying to rationalize our either defense of it or how we were right in it, or, you know, like instead of trying to make it a right or wrong thing or something that has to be polarized, staying curious about it and saying, hmm, this does open some interesting questions here. This would be worth looking at. So even if you're not willing to say we made a mistake yet, at least being willing to say, oh, well, that is strange. Perhaps we should look into it. I love that. Stay Just curious. That curiosity. Stay I've really curious. been trying. That's been a mantra of mine for a little while now uh, in some self-growth. Just trying to meet every rock or hard place with curiosity instead of with defense. Mm, I love that. That's good stuff, Alice. I love it. Um, well, I did a very, very little bit of research just about previous presidents who had been impeached in the United States. Um, so technically, Trump is the third. I'm seeing conflicting reports, which is what made me like Google this. Mm-hmm. Is he the third or the fourth? Because I see some. Right, because things. there's a technicality, right? Yeah. So um, Nixon was going to be impeached over the Watergate scandal, but he, yes. he, he resigned um, at the last second. He resigned before they had a chance to formally impeach formally him. Impeach him. Mm-hmm. Um, Which people thought that Trump might do and thought up until now that he I was going to do that before Christmas. I wouldn't have been surprised either. I'm actually surprised that he's hanging on through this because the numbers are just getting worse. Yeah, he's not well, but we'll get to that. Um, So then we have Bill Clinton, who Mm -hmm. we'll also get to in a second. Um, But then there's Andrew Johnson, who um, apparently there's some kind of technicality there too. the reason they he was formally impeached uh, by Congress, but it was like over some bullshit, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and he wasn't removed. None of them have been removed. Yet. No, neither Johnson nor Clinton were mm-hmm. removed from office or yeah. dethroned, as it were. <laughs> um, uh, what's unique about Donald Trump is that he's the first president to be impeached in his first term of office. Mm-hmm. And so that makes him the first president who would be seeking reelection after having been impeached, which like is not surprising you guys because a month after his inauguration, he was already blasting out ads for fundraising for his reelection, which was kind of right. creepy and unprecedented and just like unprecedented and just strange fucking weird. anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so weird. Um, I still think there's a chance that he won't get the nomination. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if he's not removed from office and it comes down to it, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, one of these other fucking white dudes, Bill Weld or whoever, gets the GOP's nomination, but we'll see. Who knows? Um, I feel like it's so, yeah, it's so volatile over there now. They're just in a sea of despair, and I feel like they're clinging to a life raft that is just, it's a silly one to hang on to. It's like the iceberg in Titanic. Like, you're going down on this sinking ship, and you have decided that, I I really, um, 
I've been listening to this book called Elephant in the Brain, and it's brilliant. And in it, they're talking about setting aside information that doesn't fit your narrative, that your mind will essentially hide information from itself so that you don't come up against this discomfort and have to um, and have to deal with it. Like your mind actually does that. So your subconscious is keeping things from you. And then giving your consciousness only pieces of information so that, one, you don't implicate yourself in a selfish motive that you are sort of unaware of. Totally. And, two, so that you can keep going on this sort of blind narrative that your unconscious wants you to continue on so that you can fulfill those selfish motives. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. That sounds fascinating. And religious people do that. Oh, yeah. But also um alcoholics or people yes. touched by addiction like denial denial yes. um oh god i'm not gonna say who it was a person close to me who was living with a drug addict this was years and years ago mm. i was visiting this person um over a holiday and there was a crack pipe on the sink it was her son's crack pipe oh. and she was cleaning her kitchen and cleaning around the crack pipe like it didn't just, exist yes. because denial, denial that yes. your son is smoking crack, you know, denial is the crack pipe on your sink that you're cleaning around and pretending it's is the like literal part of this thing. You're like, room. oh, I can't see it. Yeah, that's how strong denial it's can be. Literally in front of her face, she was cleaning around it. And like, just completely unacknowledged. Right, yeah. right. A fucking yep. crack pipe. Yeah, this, that, that's strong. That's real. That's real it's shit. It's real. And I wow. wonder, you know, too, you had mentioned earlier that maybe they're afraid of him. And I think he does have ways. Obviously, he has ways to collect information that is damning to a lot of people. We mm -hmm. saw it in Lindsey Graham. We saw it in Justice Kennedy. Who paid off Brett Kavanaugh's debts? Like, there are so many unanswered questions and things that are strange and fishy around this whole situation. Yeah. It makes sense that they would double down because they would be afraid of what might come up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's just shitty. <laughs> it's really shitty. Um, let's talk about Bill Clinton. Let's talk about Bill Clinton. I was, I'm a couple years older than you. So I, I think I was in fifth grade. I have like pretty vivid memories, fifth, sixth grade, somewhere thereabouts, um, when all this was going down. Um, you know, it's, it's so goddamn ridiculous, you know, that they, well, they wanted to impeach him for lying, right? What was right. it that he was lying about? Fucking Monica Lewinsky, right? <laughs> right. Not national yeah. security, not like right. missiles or war or crimes. Hi. Having consensual sex with someone you probably shouldn't have been having sex with. Consensual. And for all we know... This is my this is my kind of like aluminum foil hat theory. Like my, it's a little. Oh my out god! There. I love this conspiracy theory of yours. I know this one. Okay, I think that Hillary Clinton knew her husband liked to fuck other women, and that he liked to do it in a way where he thought she didn't know. So she would hand select the women that she wanted for him to mm -hmm. fuck just because like she knew that that was a thing that he needed and she wanted to mm -hmm. like have some um, it would be easier to just do that 
Yeah, some element of control over it. Mm-hmm. So my theory is that Hillary Clinton hand-selected Monica Lewinsky and like put her in Bill's path. And they mm-hmm. I wouldn't even be shocked if Hillary Clinton and Monica Lewinsky were in some quarter, sort of like like cohorts, like they were like in communications, right. but I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Um I think that's also, a fascinating theory. Also, unrelated, but fun fact. Um, I lived in Tokyo when I was a teenager and the school I went to in Tokyo, Japan, Monica Lewinsky's mother also attended. What? <laughs> and the librarian uh, was older and had been there forever, remembered her and used to talk like, you know, there were a couple of us gals that used to hang in the library, you know, oh the cool kids. <laughs> I love that so <laughs> much. She used to like brag about how she remembered Monica Lewinsky's mom. Anyway. That's fantastic. Um, also, can we tangent about libraries for a second? Because I just saw yes. this this meme the other day about bringing libraries back as like a late night hangout spot for people who mm-hmm. don't want to drink or people who mm-hmm. aren't into like a bar or club scene. And yep. it just like warmed my heart to think about that, mm-hmm. to think about a space where people could go and talk and have deep, amazing conversations and not have to feel like they need to be drinking or out at a spending night money mm-hmm. spending money exactly we're all mm-hmm. broke as fuck like mm-hmm. i need to do some free things and feel good about that the library is a great option i love taking my kid we are frequent library goers mm-hmm. my kid the li- we go to library you know obviously we only belong to one but we go to ones all over that have good right. like play areas yes I'll let him pick a book. My, actually, the library we belong to has like these STEM kits, like science kits. Amazing. They're so neat. My son loves them. And I feel like a good fucking mom, you know, when he's right? like pumped about the science kits at the library. Yeah, libraries are awesome. Modeling also, good behavior by taking kids to libraries. See? Librarians are awesome. Every yes. librarian I have ever known has been a badass. Yes. And like a wealth of knowledge. Not and just absolutely. smart, but right. also a badass, like yes. cool and interesting, yes. knows a lot of shit. Um, fucking totally. librarians, man. Yeah. I know. Okay. Sorry about that tangent, everyone. But libraries are really cool. <laughs> we need to get like buttons. The naked truth <laughs> loves libraries. <laughs> yeah, Things we love. Libraries. Things we love. Libraries. Yeah. Um, so okay, so getting back Bill to it. Clinton I want to. And Monica Lewinsky. Yes. You know that, that, um, illustrious quote i did not have sexual relations with that woman and then later (laughs) okay when you say sexual relations what he's referring to is piv penis and vagina because he claims he didn't stick his dick in her which i think we all know is bullshit right right but like fine if that's the horse you want to die on like weird one but okay (laughs) it's like you know semantics Cat, it's like, do you remember like growing up religious when girls I know would be exactly like what you're talking amongst and be like, we did everything but, right? Like, we all know what the but is, like everything yes. but, yes. <laughs> right? Like, or when you like, for instance, my Catholic upbringing, when I would go to mm-hmm. confession and feel like I didn't need to confess things like hand jobs or, you know, giving a hand job, I don't know in youth group while we were supposed to be having this sleepover. Right. Oh, uh-oh, kids. Right. Um, yeah, because, like, that wasn't sex. So it doesn't – it didn't count. Right. But, like, what? Count. 
Right. It's ridiculous. So Bill Clinton claims he never stuck his dick in Monica Lewinsky, which I think we all agree is bullshit. But let's just say, let's just say say he he didn't. didn't. Right. But here are some of the things he did admit to. Um, Putting a cigar in her vagina, like in a sexual stimulatory way. Yeah. Um, I have questions about this. Like just... Logistics, I'm confused. Material vaginosis. Yeah, like it really freaks me out. Um, It doesn't sound like a good one. Yeah. Also, so many sucked his dick after she had um, not just put an Altoid in her mouth, but like crushed it up and turned it into a paste, and like with the minty, mentholated, chalky (laughs) saliva, sucked his dick. Okay. I love how he's like sexual relations meaning no penis and vagina, but she sucked my dick with an Altoid in her mouth is like the kinkiest thing that I've heard today. Like, <laughs> um, Also, if, if we're going to do buttons, the Naked Truths likes libraries. The Naked Truths does not like mixing food and sex. Mm, I just, we're not into that here. Bars? <laughs> like, what? That just seems really unhygienic like that seems like it it just you're asking for a doctor's trip after that one maybe he didn't stick his dick in her vagina and he was like so tortured that he was like coming up with these weird ideas like what's the closest like phallus phallus <laughs> thing in my office but it can't be a toy it's gonna like <laughs> not put a dildo in her but anyway um so let's just pretend that he never actually Bill Clinton never put his penis in Monica Lewinsky's vagina, but all those other things happened. Right. Like all you had sex, sex bro. Right. You had sex. All sex of that was is sex. Had. Sex that. was had. Yes. All right. You, you fucked put, her. You guys she fucked put your dick in her mouth. Like you had sex. You done did it. Sexual you put relations. something in her vagina. That is literally sexual relations. And the famous blue dress. Like you come, she has your cum on her dress. Like because you guys fucked. That's right. Fucked. <laughs> right. Because you, you fucked. That's yeah. Like you came. So yeah. If, <laughs> if genitals are mutually being stimulated and orgasms are happening, that's sexual relations, President. Bill Clinton. Okay, it is. Sorry, so, Mr. President. Yeah, like stop trying to get out on a te- technicality and just like well, admit totally it. that's what it was. It was semantics, which is what all politicians do. They're like, oh, I can totally spin this by making it seem less like I was being, you know, like in a consensual relationship, which I feel like if they were to just come out, maybe. to just come out and he would have been like yeah that was probably a shitty move on my part shouldn't have done that that was not a great choice I definitely had sex with her and uh I'm I'm gonna work on that or you know like something instead of just being like nah how different would it it have been if she was in a different zip code right (laughs) yeah a different zip code (laughs) like how different would it have been if he had just said yeah you know what um yes yes i've i've i fucked an intern and i did a bad thing and just like owned it he could have modeled something so healthy for the whole nation just like owning up to his own shit you know oh my gosh how much do you think that might have changed the trajectory too of our nation had he 
owned up to it and just Mm -hmm. said, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Like that was really shitty. I made a mistake. I'm owning that I'm human. And even presidents can make errors like infidelity or whatever, you know, like just make it a human thing and say like, yeah, I did do that. How Mm -hmm. different is, you know, now we can't obviously, who knows, but Mm -hmm. just interesting to think about. I know it would be interesting. I don't know if you've watched The Crown on Netflix. Um, it's about Queen Elizabeth's life. It's really good. There is an I know you've watched it. <laughs> because I'm interested in the British British monarchy. But um, in season two, there's, there's an episode where JFK and Jackie Kennedy go to visit uh, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's shot like a movie. You could watch yeah. just that episode like you were watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an interesting look. Um, oh, who's the actor? Matt Damon plays uh, JFK. I, I think someone, a listener, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and he like nails it. It's really good. Um, but it really shows the good and the bad of what was going on and like Mm -hmm. how there were good elements to JFK and Jackie's marriage, but also like it was real fucked up too. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't paint him as a total bad guy. It just, it shows a more balanced, um, a more balanced perspective. And that is what I think a lot of us are missing in our politicians. Like we don't need to I think in life demigods like these perfect yes. like, we don't expect politicians to be like these perfect infallible people like duh yes. but your job as a politician is to you know speak for your constituents be the voice mm-hmm. of the people that's why we fucking elected you your yeah, job exactly is not right. to be like this perfect like whatever we don't fucking care we don't care and in fact we elected you because you were relatable right exactly so yes. i'm ready for so like a massive shift Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm ready for too. a massive shift and for politicians to seem more like real people. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. um, this other book that I've almost finished reading, Thinking Fast and Slow, he talks about the halo effect and mm-hmm. how there can be a positive halo effect or negative halo effect. And essentially what happens is you hear enough positive things about a person that you only see the positive things, right? You have trouble putting humanity on them and seeing some of those negative things. Same thing with a negative interaction. So you only have those negative things, but in reality, everybody is multifaceted. And the Mm -hmm. more that we allow people to not be in categories and stop trying to like put them into boxes, the more we let them, you know, be themselves, the less we'll have those halo effects because people will be seen for their whole person, mistakes and all, and accepted for that. What is the name of that book? Thinking Fast and Slow, Daniel Kahneman. It's excellent. That sounds really good. Yeah, I think um, that black and white thinking can get us into a lot of trouble. Yes, exactly. And it's the reason why I've come to a place of settle feeling settled with my childhood and my parents and being Mm. able to love them where they're at now and being able to really like accept that they did the best that they could. And even Mm -hmm. though like a lot of those situations could be construed as like negative and I did have like some things that happened in my childhood that were really traumatic, 
they really did their best. And I don't want to have just a negative halo effect, you know, on my childhood because of that, because they did love me in the ways that they knew how in the generational trauma that they were also in. Wow. Yes, that's beautiful. That's so healing when, you know, as adults, when we're able to kind of like cross that threshold into right. acceptance of our parents, not as good or bad, but just they they did what they could with what they were given, you know. That's beautiful. They just did what they could. Yeah. 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 And I think the more that we view things like that, the better, the healthier it is for us. Yeah. Yes, the healthier it is for us and the the more likely we're able to like authentically forgive our parents and then sort of meet them where they're at, you know, and exactly right. Mhm, form kind of a new relationship. That's what I find I have to do like every few years like the relationship has to kind of start over again with my parents. Renavigate you know? a little bit. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Renegotiate some boundaries, mm-hmm. find find where it feels comfortable again. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good stuff. Well, let's move on. We did have a listener um, submit a uh, Go Ask Alice. So yes, let's move let's on um, to our Go Ask Alice segment. <clears throat> All right. Hi, I was just thinking of some interesting poly topics and was curious if you've ever covered them on your show. What do you do when there are unethical behaviors in the polycule? What do you do when you find out someone in the polycule is poly by duress and is in a toxic situation? I think before we dig into this, let's do some definitions. So a polycule is, you know, for instance, my polycule would be my partner and then their spouse and then maybe their spouse's other partners, et cetera. So a partner... Uh, a partner's partner is a metamor, often shortened to meta. And meta, then my, yeah. my meta's partner uh, is my telemore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, that would be your polycule. Yes. Yeah. So polycule is especially, I, I especially find this word used when there's kitchen table style poly. Yes. KTP. People you know, are we all kind of hang out in contact and hang mm-hmm. out and mm-hmm. you're relational. Yes, you're relational with everybody, but not necessarily sexual. Right, right. Yeah. Like we're not all having group sex. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like not that for there's instance, anything wrong with that, but that's not what this is. Yeah. Yeah. For instance, shout out to my polycule who I spent Christmas with. It was the best Christmas of my life. But yeah, yes. like our whole polycule and all the kids, we spent Christmas together like that. Yes that was a polycule and that was kitchen table style poly. So, okay. Mm -hmm. So getting into the question, the first, the first question, what do you do when there are unethical behaviors in the polycule? What are your thoughts? Hmm. So we kind of went back and forth on this because part of the work that we do is giving people the space to make their own choices, right? And to live authentically mm-hmm. as themselves. Sometimes that means people make unethical choices because people are people and our motives are, you know, sometimes skewed. So I think what you do is it's a way for you to assess your boundaries in that situation. It's a way for you to 
um, assess your needs maybe in that relationship and see if that person will be capable of meeting your needs knowing these behaviors are happening. And I don't know, I think maybe depending on what the polycule looks like and what your relationship is with those metamors or the telemores, it's creating a space where they feel like they can come and talk to you about it, knowing that you're not going to give them a solution or try to fix it for them. Mm, that's huge. Yeah. Providing like um, authentic friendship and space just to just to be there. That's huge. Just to be there and not try to fix it or say what they should do or, you know, what even not what you would do unless they specifically ask for it. Just giving them the opportunity to talk it out, because as you and I have found, Lydia, in so many instances, us talking it out has really benefited the way that we process things. Sometimes just letting those words hit the air, letting the truth of that hit the air, you come to your own conclusion and you just need the space to say it. Absolutely. Um, the other thing we wanted to throw out there um, as it relates to this question is boundaries, man. Yes. Um, if you are observing some unethical shit. So maybe it's not unethical or toxic in your relationship, but like you, Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe it's not really your stuff, but just in your polycule Mm -hmm. or your poly family, what you're observing, like this is a good time for you to have really neat boundaries um, so that shit doesn't spill over in your relationship. However, like- If you are observing your partner treat their other partner in a shitty way, which I have, uh-huh. um, you need Me to like too. pay. Att- <laughs> you need to fucking pay attention to that shit. It may not mm-hmm. be you and your relationship, but you need to interpret that as relevant data. Um, yes. And- oh, I love how you just said that. It brings back the staying curious. Yeah. And like, I mean, you don't need to punish your partner or call your partner out. I would say like, definitely like take some notes and pay attention because, you know, if your partner is doing something shitty or unethical and creating a toxic situation with another one of their partners, like it's, it's easy to say like from the outside, it's easy to be like, well, that's a deal breaker. I would just end that. Like whatever. when you're in love and when you're like enmeshed with someone, it's hard. It's hard. It's really Um, hard. And then going back to denial, you know, the cra- it's easy yep. to not notice the crack pipe like on your sink. Yep, but, exactly um, right. But like, yes, like you said, stay curious, notice it, like make yes. some some eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think something so important about really any relationship, but specifically if you are going to embark on an ethically non-monogamous journey for your life, you have to be willing to go into every relationship with eyes wide open. And it's easy to want to put blinders on and rose-colored glasses and see the best in your partners because they treat you well or because it's fun and new and NRE is exciting. Mm -hmm. Of course. But if you are noticing these things coming up that seem that prickle or that your brain has a hard time setting aside, you need to take that data and really it's the hardest thing to do to put a boundary up in those situations because you almost don't want to, because it's your part of it is good. Right. Right. 
it's hard for you to say like, oh, you're treating me well, but I see you treating your other partners badly. And so then I don't want to be with you because you're like, well, you are treating me well. So maybe it's them. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just the trouble in their relationship. But taking that data in and filing it away and staying curious about your partner, not allowing a halo effect to happen, just Mm -hmm. taking in the information that's there. Let people show you who they are. They will show you. Yeah. Um, In my situation, and this, you know, was almost two years ago, um, I was in a relationship with someone and it was moving so fast. They were, you know, Mm. talking about how they wanted to like marry me and adopt my kid. And it was like super intense, really fast. So um, the... My my friend who used to be my meta, who's now just my friend, this was the partner we shared. And yes. so he convinced her to move from another city where she had been living like seven or eight years to come move here mm-hmm. um, to Dallas. And she and I were getting close during that time. And what was shitty is the things he was saying to me, the things he was doing, and then the things she were saying, like... There was no Mm -hmm. congruency there. Like it was all fucking um, just it was all of it was wacky and um, it was really shitty. I was observing him be really shitty and careless with her, but he was being great to me. That was hard. I had to grapple with that. I had to really grapple with that and and, um, ultimately paying attention to that. I mean, it got to a point Mm. where I couldn't ignore it, but when things did start to fall apart in mine and his relationship, it was like weirdly validating for me. Yes. Uh, Yes. Yeah. So definitely notice it, have boundaries, try and be supportive, um, you know, supportive within boundaries. Let's get to the second part of this question, which is what do you do when you find out someone in the polycule is poly by duress and is in a toxic situation? So poly by duress is um he, here's a good way I could describe it. Let's say there are two people. Let's say it's a man and a woman and they're married and they're monogamous. And mm-hmm. the woman uh has an affair and cheats on the man. And then she comes to the man and says, um, listen, I've discovered that I'm poly, like as an orientation, <laughs> I've discovered that I'm poly. So if you don't accept that about me, then you're not accepting my like true uh-huh. self or whatever. So if you don't let me explore this avenue of like who I am, then you're just like, then I'm going to divorce you. Then so we just can't like, do that. Yeah. It's either yes. like it's an ultimatum. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. So that's poly under duress and it's really fucked up. Another kind of variation of this dynamic I've heard of is poly of last resort so it's like when mm-hmm. two people when their relationship is shitty for a whole bunch of other reasons um and they yep. think and then they decide to open it up as like, like the let's last try this effort mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. let's have a threesome this will totally yeah. help us <laughs> yeah like we're not meeting each other's needs at all we and should we're not helping open this up. So let's yeah, get we're our not communicating. Needs. Let's communicate yeah. with other people. Yeah, so let's <laughs> just get our needs met elsewhere and then we don't have right. to get divorced. Like this is gonna be great. Yeah. There to be fair, there are some situations where sometimes 
it's it's a painful start when a couple is transitioning from monogamy to polyamory or unethical. I mean, oh, yes. sorry, ethical oh, non-monogamy. Yes. Sometimes, yes. yeah, sometimes like it's because some unethical shit went down and they worked sure. through it. Like that is a thing. That is a thing that yep. like happens. Totally a thing. But like, don't count on that. And I think the I time. think there's um correct. And I think there's a difference between. I think this is where the difference is, and it's been what we've been talking about this whole time. A person who acknowledges that there was unethical behavior and says, I made a mistake, I did choose this wrong thing, but it did open something up in me, and I would like to talk about that. That's entirely different than, no it's just, I've been this way all along and Mm -hmm. like, sorry that that seemed unethical to you, but like, it wasn't Mm -hmm. sexual, you know, it wasn't sexual Mm -hmm. relations. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't count. (laughs) There's a difference there between only, and I think that's what it is. It's what we talked about in the riot episode. There's a difference Mm -hmm. between ownership and taking the ownership of what you've done and then saying, okay, I realize that that was some unethical shit. However, I also realized that if I'm being completely authentic, we need to talk about our, both of our needs. And if there is a way for us to find a space where those needs can be met in the middle, and Mm -hmm. that might be painful and it might take years of work to get through that part, but I wouldn't count that under duress because you're not giving an ultimatum. I agree. Um, I absolutely agree. There, That's an important distinction. So going back to the question, what do you do when you find out someone in the polycule is poly mm. under duress and is in a toxic situation? I mean, that for me is a pretty crystal clear deal breaker. Like, mm-hmm. I don't demand kitchen table style poly practices. Like, I don't need to be best sure. friends with my metas. Yep, like, yep. it's awesome when we are friendly, but I don't require that from the beginning. Correct. But and sometimes I, that doesn't happen because you're not there. It's not that thing. Totally fine. I can do parallel poly. Like, that's fine. Yeah. But I at least want to, like, know them and be in their presence and, like, yes. have some kind of a relationship with them because I want to be able to determine if it's, like, a PUD situation or not. And if I, if I do feel like it's a poly under duress situation, like, that just turns my boner off, man. Like, yep. I don't... Totally. I don't want to. F- I don't want to fuck you if you're like putting your partner on an ultimatum. Like, nah, that's not sexy. No thanks. Mm-mm. That's not sexy. There's nothing sexy about that. And I think um, if you know it's a toxic situation, that's the deal mm-hmm. breaker, right? Like, if mm-hmm. you know it's toxic, if it's that it's hard because working through non-monogamy is a roller coaster. I get mm-hmm. that. And if they're in a hard time with it, I get that. That's different than, no, this is actually toxic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, in so what summary, you would do, I don't know. I mean, what would you do in that situation, Lydia? I feel like I would lose my attraction. And when I lose mm-hmm. my attraction to someone, it's I gone. mean, it's, go- it's kind of gone. Yeah. So yeah. I would, I would end the relationship and I would tell them why. Yes. Honesty. And that's a big thing. Clear is kind. Mm-hmm. Clear is Say, kind. There's some, there's some shit going on here that I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. with. And until that gets worked out, I feel like this isn't a great space for us to be. Right. Right. 
Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Alrighty. I think really what it comes down to is in relationships, you have to be willing to take what you're given, right? To pay attention, to go into it eyes wide open, to uh, constantly be assessing your boundaries and your comfort level in the relationship. It's just about settling into yourself and really feeling into your feelings. Mm-hmm. trusting that, you know, if you feel like mm, maybe not, then really trust that and say, I'm not, this, something's wrong here. Yeah. This is a good, like, trust your instinct moment. Like if you're observing yes. something and your instinct is like that you're getting some heebie jeebies, like trust yes. that. Trust that. Don't set that aside because it seems like a good relationship. And I think we're sort of conditioned to do that. And instead, we have to take that eyes wide open and say, whoa, whoa, hang on a second. This feels fishy. And I think we do that because we feel like we need to, there's always the rush, right, to be on the Mm -hmm. machine, to be in a relationship, to have these partnerships, to, you know, whatever it is. And if instead we're willing to be curious about ourselves and other people and say, ooh, you know what, that's prickling me and I think it's going to be an unhealthy Mm -hmm. situation, being willing to say, mm, that's not my thing. Absolutely. Time to cut that off and move on. Yeah. And, you know, it might narrow your dating pool a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I'm raising my, my hand right now. Yeah, as, same. As same. But, I mean, I would rather have less relationships but have a good measure of faith yeah that it's solid and that I trust that my partners are like ethical people um and that I can like rely on that you know um I would rather you know live with less partnerships um and you know enjoy a much more narrow dating pool knowing that you know the, the people I'm involved with are decent human beings, you know, or ethical and going Mm -hmm. to take. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, you have to be emotionally intelligent and be willing to do the work in poly in, you know, and being waiting around for that is worthwhile. It's worthwhile to not have partners if it means having better partners in there. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I loved this episode, Lydia. I know I did too. Um, uh, so did I? Didn't already talk about how I was supposed to go on a date tonight, but I canceled. Tell tell that story before we end. Well, I feel like it relates now. I feel it, like it relates to trusting I your too. gut. Exactly. As we were just kind of talking through this, I was like, oh, yeah, I was going to mention. So, you know, it's Saturday night. I was supposed to go on a second date with this man. Our first date was was pretty good. It was, you know, my standard go to for a first date is coffee. Um, He seems intelligent. He seems sweet and caring. And our first date was fine. The chemistry was sort of neutral for me. Um, like I wasn't feeling like a super strong attraction to him, but he was a decent looking guy. And I was like, okay, okay. Sure, sometimes, sure. sometimes it takes like a couple of dates for that to like build, yes. you gotta, like get to know someone and like, um, dig in a little, but, um, yes. 
but but that you know that bit of context is like i wasn't feeling him super hard but i wasn't not feeling him yet either um though i will say like he wasn't a very good listener like he mm. would always want he would always like text me and want to hang out like that day and i tried to explain to him like bro you don't have kids i have a kid i don't share custody yeah, like yes. i can't just go to the babysitter store and like you know i i can't exactly hang out with you at 10 p.m. on a Tuesday night on a school night when you've texted me that afternoon. Like, that's never going to happen. Um, right. And so then for I, him to continue to do that and not yeah, hear you that first yeah. time. Yeah. Like, we talked about it a couple of times and, like, he sort of seemed like he hearing, was hearing me, but then, I don't know. And I was like, uh, so I was starting to, like, uh. lose it for him. But here's here's what the final straw was. So we were talking about um frozen 2 and i said i had seen it and i really liked it and how i wanted to see it again and he mm -hmm. said that he also wanted to see frozen 2 <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me i was like well that sounds like a great second date idea to me right also the thing i didn't say to him is one reason i thought seeing frozen 2 was a good second date is i have to consider my own mental health and energy mm -hmm. levels and you know just the natural anxiety that comes up for yes. me with dating like i can't talk myself out of anxiety i just have to like accept it and work around it yes. um so i thought There's okay sometimes yeah. no navigating mm -hmm. right right so like sitting in a movie theater watching this awesome movie maybe getting some snacks that sounds like yes. something i can do um you know as opposed to uh like sitting in a restaurant sometimes like the bright lights and sitting there one-on-one -on -one can be kind of intense but and staring um, at each other and eating is like a weird thing it, it can be so weird but anyway yeah. so we agreed that we were gonna see frozen 2 and that it was gonna be tonight saturday night mm -hmm. um and i was like great and so then he texts me like a day or two later and he's like um here here's what he didn't say he didn't say are we set on frozen 2 or are you open yes. to other things what he said was saturday i want to take you to this vr virtual reality experience where you're like it's like star wars and you're like a stormtrooper <laughs> and you're like battling and then um we'll go to a restaurant and have drinks and he and oh. have dinner and drinks and he brought up drinks a few times like i guess i didn't mention that i'm a recovering alcoholic and i don't like, drink i usually mm -hmm. like wait yeah i usually like wait a little bit because it's like a whole thing um but you know i was like oh, oh um so i guess wait Oh. We're not going to see Frozen 2. Like, I am open to new experiences. Honestly, girl, the thought of, like, doing a VR Stormtrooper thing on a second date with this dude, like, ah, no, I'm not feeling it. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, that sounds I'm, like months in, maybe. Especially because the plan and i even reread our whole text exchange like the plan was to see frozen too you know right so and i was sort of agreed on this like we, we that had clearly was... yeah we had clearly agreed and he just changed the plan without like running uh -huh. it by me i don't like listener. no so i i texted him and i was like so you don't want to see frozen too then and his response was if you're a good girl and you eat all your veggies 
Maybe we can um, see Frozen 2 another time. I think bile just rose up my throat. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so then I res- So then I ghosted him for like a day or two and then I texted him and said, "Hey, something's come up for me Saturday. I'm going to have to cancel our plans." <laughs> I didn't apologize. I didn't say I'm sorry. This is what came up. (laughs) This this is what came up. Yes, because we've been so busy with life. Um, But this was perfect. I'm so glad we got to record this episode. Uh, Our last episode of 2019. (laughs) So we'll see now. Oh, I do want to mention before we sign off that we had spoken in January or in December of last year about like some things that we wanted for the new year. Yeah. And I feel like we really, we talked all about self-growth and about accepting ourselves and being more authentic and being clear with our needs and boundaries. Yes. Girl, we did that this year. I mean, I really feel like we both have. Yeah. Yes. It was a hard year for it. And we Mm -hmm. really, there were moments where we both had to really push into that boundary and hold it fast when we didn't want to. Mm -hmm. And I'm like so proud of us for really digging into that. And I think for our first episode in, you know, January, whenever we get to it, we should um, do goals for the year. Okay. Okay. I'll start thinking of some stuff. And if you're yes. a person who listens and you want to message us and tell us what yours are, please do because tell we love that goals. shit. Yeah, we yes. Love that you shit. can email us at the.naked.truce at gmail.com or Facebook message us at the Naked Truce podcast. Yes. You can also use the voice feature on Facebook Messenger um, if you yes, want we love your voice. voice. Yeah. And if you want to ask a Go Ask Alice in your own voice, let us know and send us your voice message on Facebook Messenger and we'll totally air it. Um, We would love to do that. Yes. Um, Great. Well, I love you, Alice. Happy New Year. Love you. (laughs) Happy New Year. Listeners, thank you for spending the year with us. We have appreciated you so much and we're so excited to continue this journey with you. You are listening to The Naked Truce. I'm Alice Embers. I'm Lydia Frost. Come for the sex, stay for the sexual relations.